Welcome to Sensibly Cynical. My name is Sean, and with me, unfortunately, again, is Frank Jack. What's going on, Frank? What's up, guys? What's up? All right, today we actually have a special guest. She's a filmmaker, she's a producer, and she also hosts her own podcast. So um, we'd like to welcome Virginia Anzen Gruber to the show. How you doing, Virginia? I'm so good. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to virtually be here. Yeah. <laughs> well, we appreciate you getting up so early in the morning to do this. Yeah, I was late like a jerk. I'm letting the internet know, guys, I was late. I'm real sorry, but I'm so happy to be here. I'm in California right now, and it's actually sunny and gorgeous. Is it nice where you guys are right now? It's actually cloudy and gloomy. Yeah, it's cloudy. But clou- there's a boat parade, so who cares? Yeah, it's cloudy and gloomy, yeah. Mm, okay, well, I'm going to just make everyone jealous and let you know it's like a cool 65 degrees in L.A. right now, and birds are chirping like a Disney movie. It's gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah okay so i just want to if you could just let everyone know um like your background i know you know we're from the same county and uh, i knew you you know growing up and stuff so if you could just yeah. let everyone know what happened like uh, what um how'd you get to la and you know how how'd your career um like prosper how'd you fit in or find the avenue yeah oh uh, well i should let everyone know i don't live in la anymore no but you did live in la yeah, I did. I did for five years, um, and I uh, started my career, uh, I think, the way that a lot of people do, which is I went to college. I went to college right after high school, so um, I got my bachelor's degree at Florida State University, and I majored in uh, media communication studies, and that was a, a second choice after I got soundly rejected from film school, um, and so I kind of had my little moment to feel bad for myself when I got the rejection letter and then I like the next day had gotten the acceptance letter to the school of communications and so I kind of just like picked myself up and was like all right cool like this is this is a good way to do this as well right that program was focused towards digital media which in 2006 well 2006 to 2010 is when I was in college so this was around 2008 maybe that I was deciding on my major you know 10 years ago now so if you think about where digital media was a decade ago to now i am so grateful that i was in a program that really leaned into basically digital filmmaking so the film school at florida state was focused and is still very much focused on um you know uh the long form but also they film on 35 millimeter film so for, for a lot of their projects film as the practice of, you know, and the medium is still very much uh, a part of it. And not that that's not fantastic. And honestly, it's one of the best film programs in the country. It just, um, the media program that I went into was phenomenal. And so the education that I had and, and the experiences I was able to have outside of the classroom because of that really, I think, set me up for a good place so that when I went to L.A., um, and was able to crash on my brother's couch for three months. It was a nice, good start for that. And so that's that's the secret is uh, crashing on people's couches. It happens way more than you think. I guess you had to do what you had to do, you know? So what did you do while you were sleeping on the couch? Were you actually, were you um, when you were waiting for jobs, were you bartending, waiter, waitressing? So I actually, um, during the summertime... In 2010, I was uh, working at a B-dubs in Tallahassee and decided to come and basically visit my brother and be like, you know, kind of get a lay of the land. So the plan was for like a, you know, two week trip to kind of just check everything out. And during that time, I actually was able to, um, through a college friend of mine who was working on a show, he got me an interview to 
be a PA, basically a production assistant on um, a reality show that he was working on. And I got that job and that job was starting in like two weeks. So then I had to fly home and oh, wow. pack all my shit up and then drive across <laughs> the country to go get that job. And so that kind of was how that initial first job worked out. And then yeah. honestly, after that, um, I ended up working back at a Lush soap store. It's called Lush Cosmetics because the, the job, um, climate of filmmaking is that you're always looking for work because you know once a, a job is done you're kind of on to the next one and right. I didn't quite have I didn't quite have the groove down of my network or knowing people yeah because so so your opportunities were kind of like you could you just had to take what you could get right did you have much say in did, um, like what you wanted to do or did you just have to like say yes to were you like a yes person yeah I'll do that yeah I'll do that I mean yes yes <laughs> the early part of your career and I think a lot of PAs listening to this will echo it you know you kind of just you'll take any job because you want the experience and you want to get paid you know right. and at Los Angeles New York um, Chicago these are very expensive places to live and so if you are um, eager and you know excited you'll kind of find the silver lining in anything and so I've actually unfortunately worked on quite a few jobs that looking back you know, it's the TV that you that you, that nobody's happy making. You know what I mean? There's no joy in it. There's no actual script in it. It's just like terrible reality shows. Yeah, well, there's no there's no joy until you until you get paid, and then <laughs> right, and that's the joy of, of having a place to live. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's no joy until bills are paid. Yeah, exactly. So it's I mean, it was, but but through that, you know, you meet phenomenal people, and you always you, you try to make the best of of what you know, you have right. and you learn what you can. And so you've done a, so you've done a, a lot of different things though. So, cause you said you take any job you want. It says that you've been doing some producing, some post-production, uh, even some acting at some point. Yeah. Um, that's just normally for friends. If they okay. need somebody in a film or something like that, they're a sketch, I'll do something. Um, I really, I feel like the podcast is more my avenue, which is less me having to to truthfully convey being someone else and more just truthfully conveying who I am. You know what I mean? And I think mm -hmm. you guys probably understand that as podcast posts too. There's something yeah. freeing about, I don't know, just kind of uh, an amplified version of yourself. I don't know. Sean makes me turn it down quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's, we, I think that's what kind of works. You know, I've been, like I said, I'll do a quick background on the podcast. You know, I've been wanting to do um, a podcast for quite a while. And, um, yeah, I remember talking to you about it before you even started. Yeah, and you know when I moved into uh, Pensacola uh, like a year ago already, you know me and Frank started hanging out. Uh, we met through uh, Meetup, you know, which is a app application that you know facilitates yeah. meeting anybody, you know, from any sort of activity. It just gets a group of like-minded people together. And me and him started hanging out or whatever, and we were shooting the shit one one uh, at like a tea. We were drinking tea of all of all things, no lie, and I was just like, hard, hard drink. yeah, <laughs> and I was just like, hey Frank, you want to do a podcast? And he's like, because he he hadn't known a podcast, so he didn't know, you know, how to really get that started. And I was like, don't worry, I know this website, you know, Podbean or whatever. And we got, you know, first we started real. I mean, we're still kind of young. We're wrong. this is this is like what we started in um, November. Yeah, something like that. So we're still kind of getting the hang of hang of everything, but I think, you know, um, I, I understand what you're, to bring it back to what you said, I kind of understand, you know, where you're coming from, um, you know, we'll take what we can get when it comes to guests or, you know, trying things out, what'll, 
we're still trying to get, you know, a niche audience. I think that's what we're trying to do, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I think with anything, it's just finding your voice and, and you know, that takes time with anything. Yeah. And, and the, the truth about podcasting is that it is a creative endeavor. I don't know if maybe a novelist or something is going to maybe consider this medium, but I think that um, I think that communicating on any large scale form and, and with the internet, that's really what you're doing. When you're when you're communicating and you're putting something out in hopes that people are, are going to hear it kind of all over the world, something that you end up having to hone and, and you really got to get into it. But like, I feel like you guys are crushing it and like, it just, it all comes, it falls into place the more you do it. You know? Yeah, we, well, we appreciate that, you know, coming from you. I know you're, what was it, Super Hungry Podcast. Are you, now, I know you're doing, you're doing your new venture. You can, you know, promote whatever you want on here. You know, it's an open book for you. So you could uh, explain, you know, your newest show or what's going on with that. How's that going? Yeah, so um, I have a podcast called Super Hungry, the podcast, which you just mentioned, and that has two seasons that you guys can find on iTunes um, or at superhungrypodcast.com. All the episodes are backlogged. There are 26 episodes. Um, I did two 13-episode seasons, and that was really my my first baby. That was my first venture into podcasting, and it really started with me coming home uh, while we were living in Los Angeles, we were living at my, with my brother, my husband and I were, we had just moved back to LA and, uh, my brother had a walk-in recording studio in his closet. He had turned his kind of walk-in closet into like a soundproofed little recording booth. And That's so awesome. I came home one day and I was like, I think I have everything that I need to start this. And yeah. So I just kind of took like a, a day or two to concept what I wanted and then kind of just went, you know, and it had started mm-hmm. with me just interviewing a lot of my friends who were actors or filmmakers out in LA and then kind of spitballed into being able to use the connections that I had made working for so long to reach out to some of these people that I had worked with and then just totally admired for years. And so some of my favorite episodes are, you know, Tom Wilson, who is a uh, Biff Tannen in Back to the Future and is yeah. the one of the funniest like he, his stand-up comedy is just so funny and legendary and like one of the, the best things about that was after working with him for months on a show you know getting to uh-huh. sit with him for two hours and have him tell me things that you know I didn't really know about him like he was you know Richard Pryor's bouncer and doorman when he worked at the comedy store in LA like and I don't think it would have happened if I wasn't a PA on a show called Zach Stone is going to be famous on MTV that Tom Wilson was the dad on you know what I mean so <laughs> yeah it's funny because all of these all of these choices I think that you make in life and all the choices in life that create the path that you're on you know um I, I think they're intentional you know and I think that it's it kind of um I think if you're a good person, you know, and you put good out into the world, it comes back. And I think doing the show really amplified that for me because the goal with it really is um, the long form title of the show is Super Hungry Conversations with Not So Starving Artists. And the goal is really to give um, working artists, uh, aspiring artists, to get, to give them a message that like you can do it. it it's, it's probably going to take a lot of hard work and there's going to be some pitfalls along the way. 
but it's worth it and, and it's possible. And here are some stories of people who have made it happen. Yeah, I listened to a few episodes and I just had a question. Um, so how did you yeah. get how did you get Aaron Carter on your show? Did you did you have to reach out to his agent or you know? Yeah, so um, I assume that's, that's what happened. Yeah, no, that's another great um, thing that I'm really uh, I love to let everybody know is that I have a lot of wonderful friends um, in the industry and a lot of people who have really believed in me from the beginning. And so um, Eric Carter specifically happened because uh, his representative at the time is a, a really dear friend of mine named Chad Schubert, and um, he is a phenomenal agent and also uh, well, he's a publicist rather, and but he's also a, a, a amazing writer and has been doing essays lately for different magazines and things like that. He just recently sure. interviewed Marianne Williamson. Um, and he really, uh, like the small group of people that have really helped me grow it, you know, he came on board and basically was like, if there's something you need, let me know. And so as season one grew and I progressed in the show, um, he kept kind of like an eye on me. And then once I think he felt comfortable enough uh, that I'd be able to handle myself in an interview like that. He he was like, "Hey, babe, yeah, I'll put you, you know, I'll put you on our radio day." And so I was then one of the you know probably ten interviews or so that he had that day. But I was able to get a solid fifteen yeah. minutes with him, well, and yeah. really, I think we actually really had a great conversation, to be honest, about his new album. And you know, and yeah, clearly had some issues since then. But um, you know, I think he's a really like overall sweet guy, and so that actually was like a really yeah, because I'm. Interview. I'm sure you were just, I th I'm sure he had, he had multiple ones promoting his album, right? Is that what the deal was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And normally what happens, and that was a similar thing for, I also interviewed Brian McKnight, who's a... Um, yeah, I saw that one too, or listened to yeah. that one. And so that one is, a, that was a similar, um, Chad also is his, his rep, and so he, uh, again, put me on basically, and I was a part of the media day. And so really what I was able to do through the generous help of other people who I really, and that's, I would say, um, to anybody listening that wants to start a podcast, cause that's kind of what we're talking about a little bit is like, um, have like a group of people that you trust their opinion mm -hmm. and like go to them with stuff because people are, are going to be so much better than you at other facets of what you're trying to do. And if you have like a handful of people who you really you, you trust their taste, you trust their judgment, you trust their opinion, invite them to be, you know, critical. Yeah, you sure. You need to be intense about it, but like invite them to be critical so that you can get the notes that you need in a safe environment, you know, for yourself. So right. Not anything that is too emotionally taxing because I think especially when projects are in their infancy, they need nurturing in a way that is constructive. And so, um, I'm just so grateful that I've always had that tribe. And so after two seasons of Super Hungry, I kind of got a little burnt out on just that concept. And also I, I moved, so I wasn't living in Los Angeles anymore. And not that that, that's not really, it doesn't matter that I'm not living in LA anymore. There's tons of working artists everywhere, but um, I, th I think my focus shifted a bit more. And to be honest, I just have always been really interested in uh, I, I don't get a fantasy nerd. I'm a fantasy literature nerd. I have a religious studies minor from Florida State because I just am interested in religion kind of as a sociological yeah. uh, kind of uh, conversation, I guess. And so um, I have a friend named Alexander and he and I met and are both super, ner both super nerds. And uh, I grew up extremely religious. I went to a Southern Baptist high school and, 
you know, Sean mentioned we, we you know, grew up together and went to the same county. It's, you know, where we're from is kind of um, lots of churches. Middle people. of middle of nowhere. You went to a religious yeah, school? Exactly. Yeah, uh, Florida Christian Academy, yeah. Yeah, man, I'm from Titusville. What up? <laughs> Three, two, one. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, you kind of, I think for me, it just is like an extension of conversations that I always have with my friends anyway. And so the new podcast is called Fantasy God. And we're basically just taking a look at religious undertones and themes in our favorite like fantasy novels. And so we're starting with uh, C.S. Lewis in Chronicles of Narnia, but we're also expanding outside of just novels. We're going to be reading essays and things like that because a lot of these guys more short form, pointed thing. So we're kind of just taking a look at that. And I really like Alexander's point of view because he is a former missionary. Oh, wow. We kind of have a really interesting um, perspective. Um, like, each bring a really interesting perspective to the table. Yeah. Uh, missionaries, um, now, I, I met a lot of missionaries when I I went to a meeting they had down here in Pensacola. It was about missionaries from all over the world. So missionaries, they spend a lot of time just literally going to these different places and preaching, right? Yeah, and he was in Hawaii for a long time with his wife, and then um, I think they, I think they traveled internationally as well. I can't remember exactly, but um, that's kind of also the fun part of the podcast is Alexander and I are newer friends, and so while we're kind of talking about these academic and sort of heavier religious themes, we're also really getting to know each other more as people, and so I'm enjoying just finding out more about like his story and his life and what it's like to be a missionary and you know kind of all these things because while I have a similar experience I definitely was never a missionary yeah. you know so you kind of um the the travel uh that he's done the the life that he's lived the way that he's like seen other cultures up close and stuff I think is super interesting and we're both just giant nerds so it's us just straight up talking about like Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and like so it's probably very interesting to um, figure out, to find out, like, how you guys have lived such different lives, but somehow part something you've done in your life has led you to the same um, interests. That's exactly right. That, that story alone is probably interesting in itself. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah, and it's that same kind of, that I was just saying before, you know, it's like all the choices you make lead you to where you are, and so it's a really, it's really cool to, yeah, to see where our journeys have, have brought us to, to be in the same place now because he's all, he's not from Michigan as well which is where I live now Michigan aka the coldest place <laughs> in the world <laughs> oh, yeah that, there's nothing worse than that great great um, lake of wind I lived on Lake Ontario for a few years it's awful oh yeah dog you know that it is yeah it is bitter <laughs> cold hey so the transition I was wondering you know first obviously you know so p the piggyback what you were saying about not having connections so can you explain the obvious, you know, how'd you get involved with uh, Marvel and Captain America and, you know, the Hateful Eight, etc. as like a daily? I don't know what that, I don't know what that is. So can you explain how that process all unfolded and was that like all in a row? Yeah, so I um, was the dailies post-production coordinator for a few films, um, specifically for Marvel I worked for uh, on Captain America 3. And um, I worked on The Hateful Eight as a, um, we were doing the, the, the dailies, but then also the, the, uh, the final so color on that as well, the DI. So what's dailies? Um, so what's daily? What's, what's that mean? Like, what is that? Just yeah, so, so dailies are the footage.
each day. So um, they're also called rushes occasionally. And um, but really, Bailey's is the, the more popular and like slang kind of term. term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, basically, whatever you shoot each day, um, that gets sent. And so for us and Marvel uh, in particular, they were shooting in Atlanta. We were out in LA. I was working for a company in Los Angeles. And so we would get um, the footage sent to us digitally, and then we would work on the color correction. So that was that was specifically what that is for dailies. I was working for a color correction facility, and um, the DI is what's known as a digital intermediate, and that is uh, a final color pass, basically. Um, so you do a color pass on the dailies, and then once the edit is completed, then you do the final color pass on the full edit. And so right. I worked for a company that was, an, basically that's what they did. They did color correction and so I was their in-house production coordinator for about six months and mm. so they as a company were simultaneously working on a few different projects so I also was able to work on um, a project for IMAX that was in conjunction with NASA that was shot on the International Space Station and oh, I, got, wow. I got to hold hard drives that were in space and Sean we are from Titusville man Kennedy yeah. Center <laughs> it's like making my head explode right that was the whole thing i got to have lunch with an astronaut dude it was like <laughs> i bet so great. i still yeah, think I it's crap i still even though it's it's better for you know the future i still think it's crap they got rid of the space shuttles because it was nothing like seeing one but that's for a different conversation i know, <laughs> I know man and i used to live across the river like that mm -hmm. apartment that i was in with my mom and sister was literally right across the river so like when the shuttle boosters would fall off like the, the sonic booms in our windows yeah. because that's how close we were. Yeah, I lived in Mims, but even in, even in Mims, like I still uh, could see him. So that was that was pretty cool. I didn't have we didn't have to Frank. We didn't even have to leave our uh, her houses to, to see the launch. It was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And even rockets. We were there in like the nineties, so it was like launches all the time. Yeah, and that was like a social thing to do too. Watch the rockets. <laughs> yeah, people would get together and. and Nice. And then on some of the, on like US one and stuff, people would just stop. Like they would literally yeah. just get out of their cars. On the side of the road. Yeah. yeah. It was actually really cool growing up there. Like I, cool. I still really enjoy whenever I go back to visit my parents and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Frank, do you have any questions? So, so when, when you did the post production, so when you do post, you just do a part of it. You don't do like a whole edit. You just do parts of that edit. Yes, and I also, like, I wasn't doing any of the color correcting myself. As a production coordinator, a lot of what you're doing is facilitating stuff, so I was basically the person helping to get things from point A to point B and kind of just facilitating the actual facility as well. And so um, we have colorists, and, and so what they do, well, they work on the full film because they'll, they'll do each part of the film. Um, all they're doing is the color correction. They're not in charge of, of really anything else. Right. Now I gotta um, I gotta ask you. So you were a production assistant on my bit, my big redneck wedding. How hard was that? <laughs> How hard is something that like that? A, that must have been a, a crazy endeavor, huh? Keeping keeping people so, like that in line. So I actually was not a field production assistant. I okay. was a green screen production assistant. So you know how Tom Arnold kind of comments on everything and he's like on the side and he'll pop up from the bottom or something and he will comment on the actual footage that's on the screen. Yeah. Um, I was the production assistant for, you know, the week or so 
every season where they would need to to come in and shoot his green screen reaction. Okay. So, yeah, it was a company based in Florida, though, and so I was working on the L.A. portions of that because they would shoot it, you know, Florida, Georgia. Yeah, because that was... areas. Because when did you do that? That was a while... That was, like, 2011 or something like that? It was, yeah, that was, like, 2011, 2012, I think. Um, probably 2011. Yeah, yep, yep. That was that, was that time. Um, and I moved out here in 2010, so that was actually one of my earlier jobs, and that was... Um, I think, but I also think it was like another, um, another person had like posted that somebody needed a job right. or something like that, which is kind of how a lot of those happen. Sure. They um, need so someone right of, away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there, so there was somebody <laughs> that I knew in common with like one of the producers on the show or something like that. And so mm -hmm. that's how that one happened. And then kind of from that, that's really when that took off a little bit more and I was right. the kind of slowly start building those connections to do some other shows actually you know for really the the shows that i'm talking about that i didn't enjoy were ones that were like pilots that never actually did anything because they yeah. you, you, they didn't get past casting but i actually really did enjoy some of these and i got to work on a show called mobbed that was a few years ago and it was with howie mandel and it, it was just such a large scale production that it was so fun. And we were doing these things where they would like shoot flash mobs, basically surprising people. Mm -hmm. It was like a whole, it was like when flash mobs were like a big craze. And so it was so cool to kind of see it from such a large scale because we're orchestrating, you know, two, 300 people sometimes mm -hmm. on top of the crew and yeah. all of that. And so that was a really fun one and, and just sort of a very interesting one. But then, you know, that kind of, and then I started doing more scripted stuff and worked for MTV for about two years. Yeah, and so that's my my um, my big first job that was the longest was at that show I mentioned called Zack Stone is going to be famous, and I worked on that for about ten months, which is forever in yeah you know, I, yeah I bet in film projects that's that's a long time <laughs> yeah. So when you're um so when you're putting together a flash map, how long does that take? How much work is that to get everyone court? coordinated to do that. Oh my god, so I was a PA on that, but I can tell you that I remember that they had been like rehearsing for like days, and then there was like a live, um, the team of like, you know, cameramen and everything, because it was like live to tape, and so they're doing, like, honestly, we probably had a crew of at least 150 people, and then like, I can't even imagine, I feel like those production coordinators really had a lot to kind of, uh, to deal with, because I was just a PA at that time, and Mm -hmm. But I would, I would probably say something like that is at least, oh, uh, God, three months of prep. Jeez, and right. you're probably, yeah, because you're, you know, you're casting, you're picking locations, you're coordinating with those locations, you're getting your crew, you're making sure that you've got all your security, you know, like anything like that that you need. You're coordinating any of the, like, celebrity guests that are going to be on. Right. You're, there's so much that goes into that. Yeah, speaking of coordinating, I see I was doing a little um, like research, I guess, of your history. And now, can you explain what Party Foul was? Like, is that a short? Did you get into? Yeah. Are you into like short? Um, doing shorts and how? Yeah, so Party Foul was um, the first like original short film that um, I produced, and I was the story editor on. And my uh, boyfriend at the time, who became my fiance before we shot it, and is now my husband, um, was my collaborator on it, and was the director. And um, that was just our first kind of foray into doing narrative 
short stuff because like we we do sketches and you know music videos and things like that um but we really wanted to uh branch out and kind of just test uh, test the waters right yeah exactly like it's and and you know to be honest looking and i think a lot of people uh a lot of artists probably feel this way it's something that we made in 2014 uh-huh. it's 2018 like, um, you know, I feel like it's a reflection of the filmmaker I was at the time. I feel like I've so it just, it, but I'm still really yeah, so it just, what it is. Right. It, it gave you experience. Exactly. And we were able to have a really fun um, festival, like film festival experience with that because it got into about six or eight film festivals and yeah. we were able to, you know, kind of travel with it. And we also were able to rate, like, it actually showed us that we could do filmmaking from the ground up we raised eight thousand dollars we hired oh, wow. our friends we actually got to pay them we were able to actually make a movie and sure our friends the people that we wanted to work with to make this movie and so for me that was like the greatest win so of went, that was um, mm-hmm. so you initiated the casting process much- mm-hmm. all right oh sorry yeah yeah so you had to initiate the casting process right tryouts and whatever or yeah yeah we did we did some um video stuff so we had people send in videos but then we also some of the people are our, our, our friends in real life that are also actors sure for, you know recommendations from people and then we met them in real life our, our lead actor kyle is a, a guy named david flannery who is so talented sometimes it makes me sick and is just like the nicest and he came and read in our apartment and i just kind of immediately had this feeling that uh that he was he was Kyle. He was this guy that because I could really empathize with him as a human, mm-hmm. and that was mm-hmm. the story we were telling was a bit complicated, and so it, it really felt um, it really felt good to be able to connect with him emotionally right away. And he's in Atlanta now, killing the game. He was just in the <laughs> new Tupac movie. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like yeah, he's crushing it right now. That's and, cool. Um, so did you did you uh, have a good uh, nightlife back then? Did you go out a lot and party? Oh uh, no. I don't feel like I ever really did. I did for like one year in college and then was like over it, to be honest. And, yeah. Uh, so you never got invited to or parties or whatever? Or you didn't know that, that oh, scene very well? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I like, I just was not like a... No, that wasn't... I, I see. I see what you're saying. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, occasionally you get invited to things out here and you get to go to stuff. And again, I'm really lucky that I also have, you know, family and friends in the industry, so... Every once in a while, I get to go to a cool party and meet Johnny Depp, you know. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> was there any, like, people, like, trying to, um, like, obstacles, I guess, is what I'm trying to, for lack of a better word, obstacles in your way? Like, I mean, I think there are always obstacles in anybody's life. I don't think I've had any any more or less than anybody else. You know, I think it's I think it's using the resources that you have smartly. I think it's, it's working hard, you know, like, that's the reality of, of any, I think, anybody that's truly successful used to work hard, you know, right. um, because, because if they, I think that if you're someone who has been born into privilege, you can be a truly successful person by using that privilege to not only better yourself, but others, right? So it's not mm-hmm. just coming from like a small town, like we're from and like working your way. Yeah. No, it's, it doesn't have to. That's all I, yeah, that's what I was saying was I'm, ch- I bet there was a lot of obstacles, so. I mean, yeah, but I think that as long as you, I think as long as you kind of know that you want 
um, to keep growing and mm-hmm. being. Oh, I think also it's being open to things maybe looking differently than you thought they would look like, which is true for for anything, right? Um, it's like it's probably not exactly going to be the way you imagined it in your head, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to be beautiful, you know. And so I think it's um, it's a lot of that, but also helping other people when they're in a position to, like, you were at a point, need help, and that hand up, mm-hmm. you know, what, you're up one more ring on the ladder, you pull them up, you know? Yeah, it's, 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 it's that cycle of creating your, your tribe, if you will, and then mm-hmm. your collaborators and the people that, you know, are your family. And, and, and I think as long as you have um, a drive and a, I think a belief in yourself, like, Man, that goes so far, especially in an industry like this where right. they just you hear no more than anything, you know. Absolutely, it's the law of averages. The more you ask, the more yeses you get, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Like <laughs> I haven't, you know, the things in my life that I that have been successes and wins are only wins because I wasn't afraid to have the ten failures that came before that or the ten no's that came before that. I think it's realizing that a no or a failure isn't a permanent position. Right? Absolutely. It's not a permanent state of being. And it, so that's that's the thing is just remembering there's going to be a new day tomorrow. And mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough to wake up to it, you know, make the most of it. Do what you can. And you, you learn know? more from failure yeah. than you do from success anyway. Heck yeah. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. now, don't get me wrong. Successes are phenomenal right. and amazing. That's... But, you know, sometimes it's, it's realizing that you have to understand how bad failure right. can suck. So, and how bad it can feel to, to mm-hmm. really truly appreciate the amazing thing. And I think a lot of people hate losing more than they like winning. And- <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's a, that, that's a real human fear, you know, right? Like that's, sure. that's the thing I think everybody can relate to is that fear of, of jumping because maybe you don't know what's under the surface of the water. You know, it looks like it could just be the ocean, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? Right, so I wanted to uh, transition. So you left, um, you left L.A. and then can you explain, you know, what you have going on in Grand Rapids, Michigan? Is that, and with the market, is this, you're a marketing coordinator? Is that what you're doing now, or? Yeah, so I'm, uh, actually I'm a content and communications manager, and my husband and I started our own company as well. So we have a couple things. We, um, we live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's from Traverse City and went to school in yeah. Grand Rapids. And it's honestly, it's just a great, uh, it's a great little art city. It's a great town. It's not too big. It's got, enough of a city vibe for me and we're like two and a half hours from Detroit and three and a half hours from Chicago and it's honestly like for it being you know the Midwest and and specifically West Michigan like actually I I truly enjoy it and I've found a really great group of people that have kind of become our you know community which is great Um, but yeah we started our own company called Snowball Studios uh, in January of last year and we are in year two we had a really successful year one and we do um, marketing video marketing for companies and things like that but um, also like all startup businesses it actually surprisingly isn't paying all of my bills right now I actually recently just took a position as the content and communications manager for a a church called Fountain Street, and it's a completely non-denominational interfaith church that's in downtown Grand Rapids, and it's uh, 150 years old next year, and a lot of what uh, we focus on as a nonprofit organization and as a church is um, 
community service. So I'm really excited because I'm able to kind of just creatively flex in a way that I hadn't before. I'm the department head of, of this. So I'm in charge of kind of everything. And that's not, I mean, obviously I have a boss and things like that, but like creatively, there's a lot of freedom. And so I am actually, uh, I'm currently in pre-production for the feature length documentary that I am uh, writing and directing uh, because they have 150 years of, of history that includes, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt and Winston Churchill and Amelia Earhart oh. and, you know, even Tiffany Haddish was, was there just like two months oh, ago. Oh, the Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she oh. was hilarious and I got to see her perform in a 149-year-old church. You know, it was just <laughs> yeah. so funny. It was so funny. <laughs> and she was so funny. She's like, it's okay, I'm all prayed up. Like, it was a little funny, but, um, yeah, so I'm really excited, so I'm in pre-production for that documentary, and then actually we are starting a podcast for Fountain Street Church as well, and that's really going to be a mix of, 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 of kind of a few different things, but um, really focusing a lot on our archives. We have a pretty substantial archival, uh, yeah. really, um, and I've personally held three letters that Eleanor Roosevelt hand signed. Oh, that's awesome! Wow, to the church. Yeah, I was I was crying on that day. <laughs> <laughs> that's huge. Yeah, so it's it's really um, I'm really honored to be working for an organization that um, you know does as much in the community as mm-hmm. as Fountain Street does. You know, they've been a really progressive church for a long time, which has really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But um, it just gives me so much pride because you know we've had a uh, a choice fund for you know I think over 20 years now and it's provided over 5,000 women safe access to abortions in mm. a judgment free zone you know we are um, going to be celebrating you know uh, this is Pride Month we're uh, huge supporters of the LGBTQIA and trans community you know we are so supportive of that we send buses to DC full of women for the women's march you know we send buses of teens that's awesome for our lives you know yeah it's 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 pretty incredible and um the, the thing that really strikes me about them is that um a, i want to say a few years ago now they started a program where every dollar that comes into the organization into the plate basically like if you put a 20 dollar bill into the the church offering but you didn't designate that it goes to church administrative costs every unmarked dollar goes into a social action grant program uh, right. that then is first back to the community and we give about $80,000 to the community every year to and regionally and so last year alone you know uh, they gave out grants to um, a feature film that's written and directed by a black woman and it talks about her experiences growing up in West Michigan uh, we funded sure. a LGBT resource center in Lansing which is an hour away from Grand Rapids you know so it's a really um it's a shift for me, to be honest, to be away from just mm-hmm. the solely like uh, you know commercial side of filmmaking. Um, but I found such a joy in it, to be honest. I have such a joy that I hadn't really expected to find. And so, to echo what I was saying before, it's, right? You know, sometimes things look differently than you expect them to. Mm-hmm. But being open to possibilities has really allowed me to kind of find this job that I've totally fallen in love with and I feel like I'm, I'm truly yeah. using my talents. So it's, it's weird to find a church that old because most churches are extremely conservative. It's very 
very surprising to find an old church like that so being so progressive and helping people and, and having an open mind yeah. to things. Yeah, man, and they started off as, like, a Baptist church back in the day, and it was pretty, like, they had always, I guess, been pretty progressive as a Baptist church, um, and people were, like, really, yeah, it, there hasn't always been the most open, you know, perspective on it, but I am really proud that they've persevered and continued to be that light for those marginalized communities and to really um, be an open space for people to come and right. and craft their own spiritual journeys because I don't think necessarily people want to be told who God is. Sometimes I think it's nice to just be able to find it out for yourself mm -hmm. or experience it in your own way. And so it's it's interesting because I think growing up religious, I definitely fell out of the orbit of it when I left the church. And so I am as surprised as anybody that I've kind of orbited back in. But um, I think the one thing that really connects everybody at Fountain Street for me is just that we all care about people, mm -hmm. you know, and that, um, especially now, you know, feels like something that's tangible and real and that I can, I can pour into, but that also pours back okay. to me as a person. Hey, so Virginia, do you have a sensible or a cynical thought for the episode? No, I have a, I have a sensible thought. Okay. I think I swing cynical enough to really have a cynical thought. Um, I think that all I can, like, uh, so advice, right? It's supposed to be advice. That's what you want? Yeah, just like anything sensible. Yeah, like anything sensible. Like, like basically advice or do you have anything that... You know, you you like you've done so far in your career or whatever. It could be about anything. Just anything guess, positive. I guess I'll just say something that I've been saying to a lot of people lately. If, if that's okay. Yeah. Like this. Okay. So I've been having this conversation with, and when I say a lot of people, like if any of my friends listen to this, would be like, "Girl, we had that conversation." Like I've been saying this to a lot of people, but I really feel like if you allow yourself to change. You know, if you allow yourself to find happiness in something different, you know, you might surprise yourself. But I think more than anything, I want to impart a realization that, um, and it sounds morbid, so bear right. with me because I'm going somewhere. I'm, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. But, but we're all going to die someday, right? Like, it's going to happen. Yeah. We're all going to die. Pretty aware. Unless reincarnation, but I'm not a believer in that, so I'm, I'm right. with you. And, and, but, but the current <laughs> form of our of our bodies, as as we are, even these these personalities that we have, right? They're gonna, our spirits may go on, but our personalities are likely going to, to dissolve, right? I won't be Virginia anymore. I'll just be <laughs> the energy, right? Sure. But if that's yeah. that's the inevitability of of everybody, right? We're all headed there. Let that thought let that realization be something that you actually think about more than you ignore. Because if you do, if you wake up every day and realize that you're going to die, if you have that moment of thinking, wow, like, it's another day that I get to live. I, right. I'm still here. For me, that perspective just has made me want to live all the more fully, all the more truthfully, all the more lovingly, to be honest. Yeah. My people in my life and to others. It has really, like, that awareness, while it sounds morbid and sounds <laughs> like something that Morticia Adams would say, it's really just this awareness of, like, it's all finite. Right. And so if you can let the small things go, try to, and if you can really fight for those things that are important, 
do that because eventually it's all going to end and all you're going to have is what you've contributed. That's all we can control Mm -hmm. is what we contribute. And so I think it's just, I don't know, wake up and think about death more. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. Frank? Frank, you're up. Do you have a sensible or cynical thought for the episode? So I have a sensible thought and it goes back to, um, you know, Virginia's story about, you know, how she was sitting on, on the she was on the couch and she was just, you know, from time to time, you know, half from job she was working at a soap store. And so, and then she, it progressively, you know, got better. And th- th- it, it has to do with a lot of successful things. To get, to be successful, um, sometimes you have to just work hard and roll with the punches and when you're an opportunity to swing, swing hard. I, I'm going to go cynical. I think that basically I'm just cynical on, you know, some people and their, I guess, you lack gotta of... You got to be negative? Yeah, well, we're sensibly cynical, Frank. Can't have three sensibles. I can't, I can't allow that to happen. I can't allow that to happen. It's sensibly cynical. Yeah, so basically what I'm saying is I, I'm cynical on, on the people that sit on their ass and do nothing. Like... The people that, you know, no offense to people that play um, video games. People make money off video games. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I think people that, that stay indoors and they don't, they don't basically, they rest on their laurels. I think that's, you know, a bunch of, you know what. I think people need to explore more. And I, in society, I think that happens way too much, you know, with social media and everything. People just rest on their ability to, um, you know, type or whatever. Or they use, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think if people don't need to explore more that happened that happens a lot where people just expect things to come to them you know yeah. so that's that's yeah. my cynical thought so um anything else you want to talk about virginia um anything you want to promote or anything you have coming up um i just wanted to say thank you guys for having me on and um i guess check out super hungry podcast on uh, Facebook and iTunes and superhurrypodcast.com and then my new show is called the Fantasy God Podcast you can find us on Facebook and SoundCloud alright thank and you one more time what was that documentary called? oh the one that I'm working on? yes oh it's untitled Thousand okay. Street Church documentary but it will definitely be online um, it will be happening in 2020 because it's actually going to span through our 150th celebration of 2019 um, but okay. I will be I'm also, I'm working on a lot of stuff. Check, check out FountainStreet.org. Yeah, I'll put a I'll put a I'll I'll put a link up for everybody to you know to check oh, it awesome. out. Yeah, I'll, they'll do that. Thanks yeah. for coming on, you know, and uh, we really appreciate your time this morning. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me again, and I'm letting the internet know because I don't want to get off the hook. Sorry, I was late, guys. I really appreciate you being so cool about it. <laughs> no, it's fine. All right, take care. Thanks. Have a good one. Yep. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sensibly Cynical. If you could subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, it would be highly appreciated.